Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Hey, guys. It's John Roker, the producer of Collider Jedi Council. Hey, Gamefly is the best way to buy and rent all your favorite games. Gamefly puts video games where they belong in the hands of the gamers who love them. With your monthly subscription to Gamefly.com, you can pick your favorite games from over 9,000 titles and have them mailed directly to your door. Don't waste your money buying this year's new game titles before you know if they're even worth it. With Gamefly, you have access to all the newest game releases and you can keep them to play for as long as you want. So that's one monthly fee, unlimited video game rentals of all the most popular titles from Madden to Call of Duty, and over 9,000 titles to choose from so you can find most of your favorites keep the games as long as you want no late fees no due dates and when you're tired of it just mail it back and they'll send you a new game of your choosing and they offer movie rentals now as well go to gamefly.com slash collider and start your free premium 30-day trial today the premium trial allows you to check out two games and or movies at a time you can only get this offer by visiting gamefly.com slash collider now go sign up and start playing all your favorite games absolutely free for 30 days napa know how this month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Will Episode 9 be two movies? Did Han step out on Leia? And Boba Fett retires. It's Collider Jedi Council live here Thursday, 10 a.m. Oh, that monster truck approach. I like it. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Jedi Council.
Hey everybody, welcome to Collider Jedi Council. We have got some fan favorites here today, and we're going to get to that here in a second, but I want to welcome you to this show. Uh, and I'm here for Christian Harloff today, and as a lot of you may know, Christian suffered a loss in his family, and we want to send our regards to Christian and his family. Uh, for a lot of you, Christian's just this cool dude that sits there and talks Star Wars every week, but for a lot of us, he is a friend and a brother to us. Uh, I've known him since the mid-2000s. We both were on the stand-up comedy stage. John Rokin's known him since college. Mark Yodi Riley used to serve pizza with him in the early 2000s. That's what kind of family we got here. So, Christian, we love you. We are thinking of you, your family, and doing this show today in honor of your brother, Kevin, who was a very fun, creative guy who I know made you laugh, which is pretty tough, because you're damn funny yourself. We miss, missed you, Christian. We can't to have you back as soon as you're ready but we are going to talk star wars today because life deserves to be celebrated and things we love deserve to be celebrated with me is john rocafet hello everybody uh, thanks for having me back on i'm looking forward to this a lot to talk about some theories and a shout out to christian brother thinking of you big time yeah absolutely and we have the grand moff nemeroff back here with us i will second that last bit and as always very happy to be here on the show very happy to have both of you here uh were we on the show together last time when you we were, were on? Yeah, yeah the three so, of us. so 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 sit back and relax there's going to be some hilarity some fun banter and some back and forth and maybe even some debates yeah that. roca perry may get into a fist fight <laughs> we don't know now the show is live last week we've switched to uh, collider jedi council being live every thursday 10 a.m pacific time, but wherever you are, this may, buy, may be a dinner time show. I don't know. I've still got my coffee here for breakfast. So what that also means is you can reach out uh, specific, specifically on Twitter is probably easiest for us right now. We're coming up with some other ways. Maybe Cody Hall will be monitoring Facebook. I'm going to give him 12 things to do. I'm kidding. Thanks. But reach out using the hashtag Collider Jedi Council during the show. Me or John, who have our handy laptops, yep. might grab your question to ask live, but we always have our fan questions at the end from the Facebook group, Twitter, and other sources. So, uh, guys, let's dive into this. Well, it's rumor patrol time. <laughs> this stuff pops up, and it's fun. We're going to approach this with, with a little bit of fun, a little bit of whimsy, Perry. You are a esteemed mu- uh, music. Well, you might also talk about music. You're esteemed yeah, movie bit, journalist. You, you've studied this stuff. You, you, this is your craft. Would you hear this rumor? And the rumor is uh, that Episode Nine, one, will be perhaps the longest Star Wars film, and two, will be, I'll say, Hunger Games, the third movie, split into two. I'm going to start with you. Perry, what do you think? All right. Well, first off, I think this is a big, fat rumor, and nobody should get too out of control because who knows if this is even true? So now that I've gotten that out of the way, the idea of this being the longest movie would not bother me. It would not bother me, and it would not surprise me, especially this year in particular because Infinity War was so long, and I think that used its runtime very, very well. And Personally, I think most of the Star Wars movies have used their runtime well. So if J.J. deems a very long runtime necessary, in him I trust, do what you got to do. The idea of splitting it into two movies is where I have less faith. (laughs) That makes me nervous. So I'm actually a big Hunger Games fan, and we know what happened Mm -hmm. with that last movie. And in that case, I think it served the story well, because the third book in that trilogy is the weakest book. And I think by splitting it into two movies and giving yourself even more runtime, it gave them the opportunity to, to beef it up a little. The thing with this, though, is this decision, to me, based on how this rumor was reported, 
reported, would have come too late in the game. Yeah. I don't want them to be making it and so far into developing everything and, and even production at this point and then decide, oh, no, like we needed two movies for this. Let's let's do more reshoots down the line. Not that reshoots are bad, but I think that something like this needed to have been planned out well in advance in order for it to serve the story and serve the experience. Mm. Follow-up question, Perry. Sub-question. Would Katniss have killed you or recruited you to join her alliance? <laughs> I am pretty convinced. I don't want to pat myself on the back, right? Is mm-hmm. this patting myself on the back that Maybe. I would survive the Hunger Games? I don't think... I've... I feel like I would take the run-and-hide approach because I'm, okay. pre- I'm pretty fast, yeah. but it's like you once, once it came down to you and one other tribute, yeah. you got to do You got to go for it. You got to go for it. Fight you. or flight. All right, fair I think question. I would at least last until the end. Fair question. John Rogo, <laughs> I know you'd probably go early on reaching for a bow. You'd get aggressive and there'd be some fight and you'd die. But uh, enough about the Hunger Graves. What do you think about episode 9 slash 10? I'd be hanging out with my Uncle Stanley Tucci, I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't even be involved in Perfect. Hunger Games. I'd be I watching like that. it. That's right. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come from that family. No, listen. I, this theory, I agree with a lot of what Perry said here. I, I, I think um, I like the idea that it could be a longer thing. Because the thing is, people go, oh, length of movie. It, history has proven that if you make a good movie, length is irrelevant. Length is irrelevant. Avatar, Titanic, so many great long movies. Infinity, Infinity War could have been three hours. We would have been just fine. Those deleted scenes, Perry and I did a video about that. If you put those in the movie, we'd have been just fine with those. So those kinds of things, I think if you do a good movie, length of time is irrelevant. That's what you want is a good story. Do you wrap things up? And people, people hate Last Jedi might be like, oh, good, they're going to spend extra time fixing the stuff that I didn't <laughs> like from Last Jedi. That kind uh, of reaction I could see happening. Yeah. Now, splitting into two movies is a very interesting but difficult thing to look at because uh, it worked for Harry Potter and mm-hmm. the Deathly Hallows. Yeah. But counter to Perry's argument, there was more in that book to explore so it made sense. Whereas Hunger Games, and I'll take Perry's word for it because I've never read those books, wasn't as powerful. This, though, should be announced soon if it's actually happening because production already started on this film. So it should be announced soon if they're going to bust it up into two movies. Star Wars fans have taken enough surprises over the last few years with this new trilogy that if you spring a two-movie split on them... And frustrate them, I, I think you go back in danger of ruining the goodwill that's come back since the announcement of the Clone Wars and Comic-Con. And that's dangerous right now. Let it sit. Let it, uh, let it ruminate for a bit. Marinate for a bit, rather. But don't drop this thing like two months down the road. If you're going to do it, do it now. Announce it now. I understand that. And let the record reflect that John Rocha said length is irrelevant. So <laughs> I uh, agree with both of you here. I think we're all in the same spot uh, in, terms of, uh, in terms of high. This is, a, this is a, just a high-level rumor. This is the, it, it makes some sense. It's one of those things where you're like, when you look at it, you're like, ooh, I wonder. And then that wonder turns into an article and yeah. the Internet fire spreads it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say we're part of that, but we're discussing it because talk it's also it. something that we've heard before about episode eight ends. No matter what you think about it, hey, there seems to be not only a lot of questions that still need to be answered or new questions that need to be answered, but also the story as uh, in seven and eight are so squished together, close in time. Nine, we got it's almost like a new story's beginning. So I understand this. People have asked us before. I just think, though, with that trilogy approach to the saga, mm-hmm. to suddenly be like, ah, we have a 10, I just don't think they would, they would do that. It's, it's different than even, say, the Avengers. Right, Perry? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand that, too. And, you know, that that kind of goes back to all the conversations we had about the crawl with Rogue mm-hmm. One, too, just mm-hmm. uh, yeah. with abandoning tradition, which I think is something that is especially valued in the Star Wars community. And, right. and it's something I value, too. I mean, you know, it, it might seem like what does it really matter if what does it really matter unless we we don't get two good movies? If there's two good movies, what's the big deal if it's not a trilogy? But at this point in time in my mind, the idea of concluding it with this, concluding the Skywalker saga with this trilogy, it just feels kind of poetically right Mm. to me. But the bigger issue I have with it is kind of what you were were hinting at Mm. before, which is uh, there's been some extreme changes happening with many of the recent Star Wars movies during production and you know I'm a firm believer that if you if something is happening because a movie changes so much you've heard this time and time again it's yeah. cha- it changes a lot from script to set to screen if you see something that is a red flag that needs to be changed you don't just keep your fingers crossed that it's going to work out and take it through to the end you make a change you make an adjustment but certain adjustments that we've heard about are pretty major, some of which are unprecedented. So if this decision came during the filmmaking process, that's when I get worried. Yeah, the yeah. amount of people, too, right? Luke is coming back. Mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher is coming back as Princess Leia in some form. The FC-3PO, R2-D2, Lando Calrissian's coming. How much is Lando going to figure in? Then you, Phasma, I don't think, is dead. Kylo Ren, Finn, oh. Hawks. Then the rumors about Anakin coming back in some oh. form. Which version of Anakin are we going to... So there's so many storylines and characters that you still have to explore and wrap up. This yeah. isn't like Jedi. Like, Empire Strikes Back left you in a great place, walked in the Jedi. You knew you had a, two or three storylines to wrap up. This right. There's multiple storylines and subplots that, really, that you have to put together and that maybe will echo into a new trilogy that you have to kind of lay the groundwork for as well. So right. there's a lot to explore here. I, I'm happy along it is. Spinning it too, though. We'll yeah, see. yeah, it, it would make sense, but announce it soon. And there's a lot of characters. It's a you know, it's a little bit like the the Royal Rumble. You come in every uh, every two minutes. <laughs> yes. You come in, and, but uh, I, I agree. I think we're all on the same page here. File this as a rumor, and we don't even want it to be true. Right. But we'll see. But I actually think Perry made a good point. If there is an episode 10, that's just more Star Wars. So tradition, I don't know. I'm a baseball purist. I'm a Star Wars purist. No, I'll see what's coming down the pipeline. But, Ken, would it surprise you, though, Ken, because they're not purists. They haven't necessarily followed some of the mythology of Star Wars and some of the decisions they've made have been why the fans are so so, so upset. Yeah, or a reference to the Rogue One not having a crawl. I still think Rogue One needed a crawl because the story was a little different, but we get that awesome cold open. So traditions in that way, I am sometimes attached to Mm -hmm. too much. You don't want to, you know... Possession, uh, obsession. These are things of the Sith. So, but in terms of your story stuff, I, I think we we want it to not be of a purist approach. I think in general, because when it is too tight, we hear uh, to to the Star Wars traditions. We hear sometimes yep. critiques. Yep. Solo, Force Awakens being rehashes or whatever. You be it's it's a you can't win for losing type of thing <laughs> here. Uh, next one here. Well, we're going to keep going here. I like this one a lot in the sense of just it's a fun conversation starter. I don't put a lot of salt into it. But Film Threat put out a video narrated by the great Chris Gore, who's uh, been around these uh, nerd parts for a long time, uh, including a, an article I, uh, I have from 1994, Sci-Fi Universe. First issue, Chris Gore wrote a great article about the new Star Wars movies coming in 1997. Uh, uh, he's been around this field a while here, so he's got a, a good VO here on this theory. 
And uh, it's picking up some steam. People love good Star Wars theories. And you know what? That's okay. That's fun to dig in. I just don't like it when, the, when it turns into expectations. But this is, again, on Ray's parents. And we've had, even here at Collider over the last couple of years, we had some fun with some of the Ray's theories and digging into them. And, and it's natural to have them. But, John, I want to start with you here. This theory, well, it's got Han stepping out on Leia. And maybe uh, maybe uh, an old flame pops into his life, uh, Kira. We know, you know, mm-hmm. she didn't die. We don't know when she died, if she did at all. And that's where yeah. we get Ray, and that's why Kylo was a little bit upset with Dad. What do you think? This is a very, very well done video. And uh, Chris yeah, Gore, Chris Gore doesn't uh, come to these rumors lightly, and he mm-hmm. spends time exploring these things. And yep. the points he makes here are very powerful, and I think that's why it's grabbed the Star Wars community by storm so quickly because yeah. it feels. Believable. The connections sure. he make makes feel right and mm-hmm. possible. And so you look at this idea. Well, would he step? Well, he's a scoundrel. Were they having? He's been a scoundrel. Were they having troubles uh, before? Remember the comics? So, who Sana Solo? Remember the Sana right. Solo situation? So there is a history of Han. Like we, yes, he met Leia. We want to believe in the fantasy. But how many of you all have been in relationships? And you know, it doesn't always. It can come together great, but it doesn't always stay together. And there are sometimes problems. People cheat. Stuff happens. And right. so yeah, it would be furthering of the destruction of the mythology, I guess, in a way that we loved about the original movies. But if this happened. The way Chris Gore lays it out uh, in this video, the stuff with Ray going back and watching Force Awakens through that prism of what he laid out is really interesting. Her hugging uh, Ray first, or Leia hugging Ray first, Han kind of having that paternal feel with her. Like all of that would make sense. And then you would do, you would echo the Leia Luke story with Kylo and Ray. So for me, I like the theory. And if they do it, certainly would be revolutionary in that way. Mm, I like it. I, I like I like your take on it. I like look. I love a good theory. Yeah. I love a good theory. Then you listen and you listen. And you're like, yeah. Then all of a sudden you're like, well, but but f- jet fuel would met, melt metal. That your theory's not working for me anymore. <laughs> um, Perry, dive on into this theory. That's kind of how I read it. I've found the theory absolutely fascinating. Yeah. I thought the video was great, and you know, this is why I enjoy sitting at this table. I yeah. like to consider other individuals' fan theories and to see how it might pan out but in this case as I started to dig deeper and deeper into it it was you know like when you're trying to put a puzzle piece and like two of the little thingies fit and then the other two don't so I think that this theory if it were true would negate and I, I know some people out there want this but would negate way too much of the conversation particularly between Kylo and Rey mm. in The Last Jedi. And I would be very shocked if Disney would do that. And, you know, my my opinion on The Last Jedi has never, ever changed. But over mm. the months, you know, I've spoken to enough people who have, uh, who have expressed their opinions rationally in a way that, you know, makes me understand where they're coming from. And I can now understand why some people out there do want to see the next movie maybe change the course for certain things. But I don't think a complete overhaul is what you do. I think there's a way to build off of what Ryan Johnson did in that movie where that still has value and you could watch what comes after it and then go back to that material maybe that you didn't like, see it in a new light. But in this case, I think if you go back to the Ryan Johnson movie, it would kind of make it worse. And, you know, that's coming from someone who who liked it. So I think for the people out there who liked it, it would be unfortunate if what happens in Nine makes what happens in Last Jedi not play as well. And I think it would also make it even worse for people who didn't like Mm -hmm. it to go back and see that none of those things hold any value whatsoever. One of the things missing in the video, I thought, was Ray's reaction to Han's death. It was so 
powerful, mm-hmm. right? She's force sensitive, right? Like the level to which she reacted to Han's death, the scream, the tears. Mm-hmm. She has just met this guy. He's taken her under a wing to a degree, but it has been like for years or months. Right. But the reaction was from the depths of her soul. And so is there something she felt in that moment that was deeper or more powerful? A connection to him, a force connection to him. Of course, he's not force sensitive, but a force connection to him mm-hmm. in, in that way. I don't know. That's certainly possible. Uh, it's so. interesting theory. I mean, every time I finish a double Western cheeseburger, I cry like that. And I had just <laughs> met it Fair five enough. minutes earlier. But I, I think you're right. There's some kind of connection there. And, and I, I, you know, you, I think everyone knows I just absolutely love The Last Jedi. I love mm-hmm. the decisions Ryan Johnson made. And I've heard him speak uh, on some of the decisions. And, and the one with Ray being a nobody makes the most sense to me from Ryan's mind of it's the biggest obstacle that she would face. And now people always say Kylo's line. He might be, except for she's the one that answers. Yeah. Uh, now, you could say, well, Snoke's in her brain. Kylo's, you know, there's all this kind of stuff going on. And but but she's the one that's like, yeah, they were nobody. I've known Maz kind of tells her. They're nobody. The answer's in front of you. So I think JJB will have to be respectful of that, even if they play around with it. But it's fun to play around with it. But you talked about Saint Staros, yeah, who was introduced to the uh, Star Wars comic book world as Saint Solo. Yeah, exactly. And that caused a lot of problems. Now, this uh, wonderful character of color shows up. She's also Dr. Aphra's ex-girlfriend. Yeah. There's all those kind of things. There might have been a, a reaction on some other levels to that character when mm-hmm. it first shows up. But when one of the reasons that I, I actually... I was in the camp, too, of... If she really was saying a solo, that meant that Han was not just a cool scoundrel. He was he was this this cheating dude and yeah. this not honorable when we meet him in New Hope. And that would have retroactively undercut the character. And I think that you know, then again, it turns out it's mm-hmm. it's not. It's a ploy. Right. It's a thing. And, it's, and, and we should all just uh, if the hubbub around that, that <laughs> one issue of a comic was amazing back in what, 2014. So uh, if if Han did cheat on Leia. It was a break. It was a break. It's an episode of Friends, whatever. <laughs> we and this happens. It's realistic. Yeah. And one of the things I like about Han in Force Awakens is it's real. He's His running away is realistic. Leia running away, going, I went to what I was good at. You went to, you know, how many times have you heard of marriages in our world breaking up after a child gets sick or something tragic happens and then it breaks apart the marriage for whatever reasons and things happen. So on a realistic sense, yeah. I just don't know how realistic, Perry, you're reacting to Star Wars <laughs> wants to get. You know, I, Star Wars marriage counseling, I don't know. I, I, when I watch movies, I tend to put great value in being able to connect and finding, you know, a, a grounded approach to certain storytelling and something that feels really realistic. But right. in this case, you know... I, I greatly value the romanticism between uh, Han and Leia and kind of tossing that wrench into their relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I think it would... I, I see how if you connect the dots, it could work in that, you know, Ben gets so pissed that he takes mm-hmm. off and then he hates his dad and he breaks up the family and all that. I see how it works, but... I, and, you know, this is just coming from being a fan and sitting here and yeah. watching these movies. Mm-hmm. I'm having a tough time computing what it might look like for that specific issue to be in this, especially when we were just talking about the runtime story where there's so many other characters and there's so much else going on in this movie. Could you imagine if we also had to address the fact that Han cheated on Leia, especially without those two characters physically involved? I think something about that really wouldn't feel right to me. Yeah, that's a good point. Would Chewbacca let him do it? 
that's the I mean, thing. you Did know, Chewbacca come we all for like, There's so much. I think Chewbacca would, know all these details. Well, I would imagine him and R2 know everything. I mean, yeah, but right. here's the thing: Chewbacca, <laughs> Chewbacca might be that friend who's like, man. What are you doing? You. But whatever, let's go get a burger. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Do we want Star Wars Episode Nine, Kramer versus Kramer? That's what we have to ask ourselves. <laughs> That's the scary part of it all. And I think the reason you can fill in uh, these holes is because, you know, these holes exist. We don't know mm-hmm. what Ben's issue is. We still don't sure. know concretely what Ben's issue is. Yeah, we could read the books and find the shades of what could it possibly be, but in the movies, it has not been presented to us what his issue is with his dad. This makes sense to me. I've seen this happen in real life to friends. I've seen this happen to to families that break up when the son or the daughter does not want to speak to the person who has cheated and broken the family up. Mm -hmm. And and, and some people have even witnessed their parents cheating or caught their parents cheating. What's that like? But it would it would once again though it would be so dangerous to make this the theory because once again it's people walking into this trilogy and yeah. destroying the romanticism of what you're talking about uh, you know and with the reaction to Luke I can't even imagine what the well, reaction would be if they put this in motion. Well, let's dive in a little bit to this Kylo thing here. Yeah. You brought up something good. You're right. In the books, um, all through there's little shit, especially Last Shot by Daniel Jose Older. Yeah. Uh, some of the best stuff in that book is Han with like a two year old Ben. Realizing I am now married with a kid, did I want this? Right. And it is interesting. We talk about Kramer versus Kramer Star Wars. They're happily married at that point, but Leia's already off doing work. He needs to go to, and that's what the, Lando shows up. Help me. We got one more mission, and it's, I got I got a kid. And he steps literally on space Legos, you know, Lego bricks, uh, the, the Star Wars equivalent of it there. I thought it was wonderfully Realistic, but it's also a novel and something different. And right. you're right; it's shades. You get the idea at some point. Ben felt abandoned by his father, and that Leia shipped him off to Jedi school with his kind of weird uncle, mm-hmm. who shows up at Christmas and you know Life Day and brings a gift and like, let's go train you, disconnect from your entire world. I, I think they're shades, but on the big screen, there's there is kind of questions you mm-hmm. could you could answer. How, how do you guys answer Kylo's anger? Where do you think Snoke got him? Any thoughts? I think what you just presented makes a lot of sense. Um, Han didn't sign up to be a senator's husband or an admiral's husband. He just fell in love with Leia. He didn't yep. know what he was. He's a scoundrel. How would he know to adapt to a home life? And this idea that she is the breadwinner, she is the focal point, she is the <laughs> alpha in the relationship. Are you say, so you're saying Han's got some old uh, stereotypical yes. kind of like uh, gender role problems? Yeah, he's people, like, yeah, yeah. People think because he fell in love with Leia, all of a sudden he's washed clean. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's a scoundrel. He's a cheat. He's a liar. I like it. He's made a living off cheating people. Yes, he's cheating criminals. <laughs> he's still cheating. And so like he has this like reputation this. of doing this. There is a groundwork for it. If Star Wars was bold enough to have been a little okay. more realistic in their presentation of these characters, it could be an interesting thing to explore. If you turn it into Game of Thrones, or you, which we'll talk about a little bit, but if you turn it into that, then I think there's interest on my end, and I can okay. understand why Kylo Got it. would separate from the family and do what he did so powerfully, because there's been no moment I like of that. resolution. And by I, the way, Kylo killed his dad, and then essentially helped to kill his mom. Almost. Yeah, Because yeah. he, didn't, he didn't pull the trigger, didn't but those the trigger. two people were yeah, following yeah. him and did. So. Yeah, uh, he, he's on the hook for that, I he's think, a little clean. bit there, and he doesn't know. Yeah, I, And I, I, I think, I, I get what you're saying, I think the depictions of Han and Luke in seven and eight are pretty realistic, and I think that's what some people had problems with, yeah. particularly with Luke. They ignored it a little bit with Han. Yeah. Han ran away too. Yeah. Oh, uh, you turned Luke into a pessimist in eight. Nah, not really the case, but 
Han was definitely a pessimist in seven. Yeah. Uh, I ran away. Uh, Perry, <laughs> Kylo Ren. My, as Kylo I'm, Ben. As I'm listening to the, the two of you, my head is, uh, my mind is spiraling out of control with the possibilities. Uh, when I read Last Shot, I didn't read that mm-hmm. scene as a way to, you know, open the door to Han maybe thinking, oh, like this parenting thing, it's not for me. I'm going to go find someone else. More, more so it was just him purely as a, a truly loving father wanting to be there for his son, but, right, right. but not being able to come to terms with yeah. what that really means. That's, that's what I took from it, and that's what I would find interesting. If it wasn't as cut and dry, black and, and white, as dad cheated on mom, but rather, you know, like dad was there kind of, but he just couldn't cut it. That, that seems like the more interesting turning point to me. And, you know, I also think there's a lot of material that's unexplored between Ben and Luke. I hope mm-hmm. that that has a little something to do with it, where it isn't just mommy and daddy issues, but it's about the, the pressure and the challenge of learning the ways of the Force, especially when we know that, that Luke has a very specific way of going about it. And if Ben couldn't do that, I can understand why he would feel the frustration. And especially if he's tempted by Snoke at a point, it's, it's about both the dark and the light getting into your head and intermingling in a way where it's too tough to pull them apart and mm-hmm. that that to me and again this is just fan theorizing yeah, right here but, yeah, yeah. but that's what i find yeah. potentially most interesting about the turning point for kylo you know, i want to throw one last thing in we yeah. have to ask ourselves and i ask the uh, viewers as well what do you want star wars to be do you want it to be your escape fantasy or do you want it to reflect what's happening because remember it was started Right as Vietnam was ending, it was mm-hmm. about making people feel good, disappear from stuff that's going on in the world that was very sad and tragic. Let's go someplace else. Let's create this other world where there's happy fantasy things and you know people come together, love exists, mm-hmm. this kind of jazz, good triumphs over evil. But this new trilogy has reflected ourselves back in it. And mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if they went this route with Nine. But I would I would appreciate the boldness, but I I would I'm sorry I would be surprised if they, if they went this route. But I would appreciate the boldness. Why does yeah. it have to be one or the other? I mean, to to well, me the idea well, because I think if you have to, I think to me you the, walk ideal, the line, then you, to people, me the ideal is putting them both together because you could mm-hmm. you could send messages about real world situations, mm-hmm. but I think those messages might be more powerful if you maintain that fantasy and romanticism, where all of a sudden you see characters that you love and you admire dealing with certain things that you know maybe not on the forefront of your mind. But later, you're si- you're sitting there and you're like, yeah. oh, you know, this thing I'm going through or I'm seeing right now, that's just like Luke or just like mm-hmm. Ray. I think that's the most powerful. Yeah. So walking that that fine line between the two, that's what I want. Yeah, and I think that's that's part of the DNA of Star Wars. You talked yeah. about it was absolutely high fantasy. It's Flash Gordon. It's serials, but then. You know, Lucas is literally talking about the Vietnam War with the Ewoks, yes. uh, where the U.S. is the empire coming mm-hmm. to Endor. And so definitely it's always kind of been there. So that, that line, that lessons, uh, but always keeping in mind that it is fantasy. It is it is space wizards and laser swords. But modern myths are. So yeah. uh, we'll see uh, what's going to happen. We had a little fun going off book and talking about some stuff there. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, <laughs> questions here. Um, we do have a little bit of a shorter show today, so we want to get to some of the stuff. But, but John, uh, you put this great story here I want to talk about and pay, uh, pay homage to this longtime Star Wars performer, Jeremy Bullock, who is uh, most known for playing Boba Fett. He was the actor in the costume in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, he was also in... Empire uh, Strikes Back uh, on Cloud City. He's one of the Imperial officers when uh, Luke shows up and uh, 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 Lobot 
and and the guys take the take the imperial officers and stormtroopers uh, captured capture them. What am I trying to say? That's what I'm trying to say. He's in Empire Strikes Back, um, but also he wrote this. He's been a mainstay on the uh, convention circuit. He says, "Dear friends, it's with a heavy heart that I've decided to stop attending conventions and hang up the Fett helmet. It has not been an easy decision to make." And in 1979, I was called onto the set of Empire Strikes Back to play Boba Fett, and since that day, it has changed the entire direction of my life in such a wonderful way. It has been a privilege to have had the opportunity to inspire many generations of Star Wars fans. I'd have over 20 years of traveling with my wife, Marine, to some amazing countries, and I've met so many wonderful fans. Thank you all so much. We will miss you all. May the Force be with you always. That's from Jeremy Bullock. So he, uh, yeah, I think uh, age and health and just the, the, the you know, traveling, that's a lot. Uh, and there's a lot of conventions now, probably more than there were back in 1980, 81, yeah. 82. But, John, I know you, you're a Roka Fett. You're a Boba Fett yeah. fan. So I wanted to Massive. pitch to you. Yeah, this is uh, sad to hear, and I would recommend to any Star Wars fan who hasn't seen this documentary, documentary Elstree 1976, mm. find it. It's fantastic. They interview all these people who were involved with the shooting of the film of, of A New Hope there and their experiences. And Jeremy Bullock really shines in this whole uh, documentary. And, you know, it's, it's, it's painful to hear this and to see this, but... The man did his time. He did his yeah. service for Star Wars. And, you know, if the rumors are, you know, what we yeah. hear about his physical conditions are true, then we send him, you know, uh, uh, well wishes and good thoughts and, and hope there's a peaceful resolution to all of this. But, like, I'm – it's sad to hear, but I'm also, like, uh, respect the service that he has done. And I'm sure the joy he's brought to so many people at these conventions uh, and people being able to express their fandom of Boba Fett to him personally – um, which, you know, you, you just put on a costume, but you never yeah. know what that can do for a lot of people. And me loving Boba Fett as much as I do, it's, yeah. it's great. It's fascinating. Those little side characters, man. They, yeah. they, their life on the convention circuit. And Elstree 76 is a spectacular documentary. Perry, your thoughts on this? Yeah, so we were talking earlier. I've been to so many conventions over the course of my career, and I've loved them all. But those conventions, because they were for work, always kept me doing very specific things, covering very specific panels. And it wasn't until I went to... Actually, Star Trek convention last year where mm -hmm. basically the convention center floor is is all, you know, it's selling stuff, selling toys, shirts, artwork, but then also all of the people, all of the stars from every single series, whether they had a big role or one teeny tiny uh, episode somewhere in the mix, they're all there on the floor celebrating this property they love, and they're, they're meeting everybody, and you could just see on everybody's faces how much it means to walk up to that one person and yeah. shake their hand, get their autograph. So just ever since last year, that particular con, my appreciation mm -hmm. for, for performers and other artists that go on this circuit just to be out there and to get face-to-face -face interaction time i really just admire and appreciate them because that community that con community is very very special yeah you know and sometimes if you if you were cynical you could write some of it off as ah this person's going around and they were an extra here and there and, and i get that take i guess a little bit but then when you see it in action and you see you know uh, with garrick hagan who who was big stark lighter mm -hmm. you see our friend alex damon from star wars explained who's like all bigs all the time yeah. and has an interaction with this guy and it is yeah you're right you just walked on the set one day and you played a role but this was part of a bigger story and a bigger saga and it does mean something you know if if if, if i was uh, you know julian glover who plays you know grandmaster pycelle and uh, uh grand grand maester pycelle i should say not master um and veers if i was running to him i'd just be like ah, <laughs> general veers here general veers and tears would probably stream down my face that's what these little roles mean so much yeah. to all of us here so uh, uh thank you for all the the, the time you gave fans, Jeremy, and uh, we, we uh, hope
hope you uh, are okay and wish you well. Let's take a quick break. You know it's one of my favorite things to do, post-dancing rehearsal. Not going to lie, it's putting on some sweatpants immediately and having a drink. You all know I love a glass of wine or two, but I also like to switch it up. So lately, Jason and I have been making a little cocktail at night using Rum Haven. Rum Haven believes Mother Nature did things right, so it's crafted using real coconut water and not using artificial preservatives or flavorings. It is so incredibly refreshing. I mentioned I like to add it to a cocktail, but it's also actually great over ice with a splash of club soda. It tastes like I'm on vacation, sitting on an island somewhere far, far away which is without a doubt a great feeling, especially during these crazy times. So make sure to follow at Rumhaven on Instagram because they post all types of these seasonal recipes. They do giveaways and tips. Plus, when you go to discover.rumhaven.com, you can find their latest blogs, quizzes, and any promotions they have going on. On one of their latest blog posts, they actually have some tips about planning your virtual watch party, which is pretty perfect since everyone's favorite reality shows back on Tuesdays. Be sure to have a little virtual drink with me, sip some rum haven, maybe even while you're listening to the pod. Let me know what you think. Get ready for the tastiest breakfast under the sun. Jimmy Dean casserole bites. All the homemade flavors of a breakfast casserole packed into a poppable bite. You know something else? They taste good. Hey everyone, this is John Roca, the producer of Jedi Council. If you like this show, you are going to love The Good Life with Stevie and Cezanne. Join them each week as they inspire minds, captivate listeners, and have powerful conversations with people who are making an impact in the world. From major celebrities to everyday people, they will motivate you to live the good life. Listen free each week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. In honor of self-improvement, you may also like The Dr. Drew Show, The Jordan Harbinger Show, or Revenge of the Jock with Martellus Bennett, only on Podcast One. Let's take a quick break. You know it's one of my favorite things to do, post-dancing rehearsal. Not gonna lie, it's putting on some sweatpants immediately and having a drink. You all know I love a glass of wine or two, but I also like to switch it up. So lately, Jason and I have been making a little cocktail at night using Rum Haven. Rum Haven believes Mother Nature did things right, so it's crafted using real coconut water and not using artificial preservatives or flavorings. It is so incredibly refreshing. I mentioned I like to add it to a cocktail, but it's also actually great over ice with a splash of club soda. It tastes like I'm on vacation, sitting on an island somewhere far, far away, which is without a doubt a great feeling, especially during these crazy times. So make sure to follow at Rum Haven on Instagram because they post all types of these seasonal recipes. They do giveaways and tips. Plus, when you go to discover.rumhaven.com, you can find their latest blogs, quizzes, and any promotions they have going on. On one of their latest blog posts, they actually have some tips about planning your virtual watch party, which is pretty perfect since everyone's favorite reality shows back on Tuesdays. Be sure to have a little virtual drink with me, sip some rum haven, maybe even while you're listening to the pod. Let me know what you think. Let's, though, close the discussion here on movie news. I always forget to do the, 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 the sting at the top, Cody, the movie news logo, don't I? <laughs> I don't know what I need. That, yeah, there it is. I don't know, I don't know why. I don't know why I always forget. I always forget that. This is truly Harloff's show because I forget that. But I don't forget this one because I love doing it poorly. Let's jump ahead here because we got a shorter show today with What's the Deal with Cannon? That's right. That Rodian stand-up comic is here to talk about this story. Some comics are coming out. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit here. Star Wars 52 and Darth Vader 19. Great stuff going on there. You guys caught up on the comics here yet? Uh, not yet. Not on those nope. two yet. Okay. 
Good stuff. Star Wars 50, 51, 52, really good. Mm-hmm. You get some stuff. You, you learn why Rogue Squadron comes into play. Yeah. Uh, I have not caught up with 19, though, issue 18 with uh, uh, Vader and Tarkin hunting Vader. Very interesting, very good. <laughs> so the comics are out there. Sometimes our reading schedules are a little different, so we don't dive into to them as much, but the good stuff going on there. I did want to take time to discuss this one, and this is the uh, news from uh, Bob Iger. Uh, every time Bob Iger has a call, we start with his shareholders. We start getting information. And the Disney streaming service. I call it Disney Direct because I think Filoni slipped and called it that at convention, but oh. uh, Comic-Con, but that's not the official name. But Disney uh, streaming service, uh, we know that the Star Wars series that John Favreau is behind is going to be on there. And we now know 10 episodes. And that's a great picture of Favreau. All right. All right. I love Chef. Um, it's going to cost approximately $100 million for 10 episodes. And there will be no Star Wars movies on the streaming service at the beginning, but maybe down the line. But we want to focus on this series. There was some hubbub, Perry, over this budget. What do you think? This is a lot of money. It's a lot <laughs> of money. This is a lot of money, but the streaming service is a major endeavor. And yeah, you know, Disney's one of the biggest companies out there. They've got all right. these resources, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the the launching of that streaming service, yeah. I do feel like in the long run, it's going to be a make or break endeavor. If mm-hmm. it doesn't start off on a strong, strong note right off the bat... That could seriously hurt them because think about in the near future, think about right now how many streaming services you have to pick from. Which one do you want to give your subscription money to? And by the time this one launches, I bet there will be more. Soon after this one launches, I bet there will be more than that. So if they don't hook you and keep you invested from day one, it's it's kind of a lost cause. So if they need that money to make a good Star Wars show to keep people hooked, I am inclined to trust them. This is the future, John. This is the yeah. war field for all these entertainment companies. You know, uh, we're here in digital media. We understand. And I can tell you firsthand, launching a behind-the-paywall direct-to-consumer uh, <laughs> service uh, is uh, sometimes not the plus you think it is. Uh, things happen. So uh, this, is the, this is the battlefield Disney absolutely wants to win. Uncle Bob wants to win. He said a long time ago, you will be surprised of the names attached to some of the Star Wars stuff we got going. And now we got the money here. And you mentioned Game of Thrones earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good comparison. Yeah, I, I like this idea. $10 million per episode. Why not? Uh, mm-hmm. Rome was, what, five, three to $5 million an episode. That was fantastic. Right. Game of Thrones is almost $10 million an episode. So to me, this tells me that we're going towards a certain direction of quality that we yeah. want to come out of this series. And Perry's right. you got to hook them and keep them, and this is the way you do it. Good script, good action, good direction, good acting. That's what you need all through this thing. Mm-hmm. You spend that extra money, get the effects. If we're going nice to the Old Republic, there's going to be a lot of special effects you got to play around with there, all that kind of stuff, whatever the right. series is going to be. I'm excited uh, to see it. Well, let's talk about that yeah. because... Uh, rumors, and I definitely saw uh, uh, some other sites making Star Wars posted it uh, over there. Uh, I think it was the first time I saw it, and I, I'm not going to lie. This is something I had heard uh, mm-hmm. before, that this would be, this series, going to be based in part around the Mandalorians yeah. after the fall of the Empire. It would make some sense. John Favreau played pre-Vizsla in the Clone Wars. He is steeped in Mandalorian knowledge and culture, uh, having played this important character, and he's a big Star Wars fan. He said he had these stories floating around before he had this show. Mm-hmm. So, 
that's what this series might be about. And I think we, it'd be remiss if we didn't discuss, Perry, the idea of going in deep with the Mandos. Oh, I hope this is true. I, I really, really do. This is something that I've been rooting for for a long, long time because, you know, we, we have a, a pretty good taste of Mandalorian culture through uh, certain shows and comics, but I wouldn't say it's as, as mainstream right. as, as it could be. Mm-hmm. And that culture and those visuals, too, are just so promising that I feel like if you open the door to a wider audience, that that is most definitely something that is going to be very well embraced. I mean, just just picture what it could look like if the first teaser poster is some sort of new Mandalorian armor or helmet or yeah. something. There is something about that that is so instantly eye-catching that I think everyone would really take to it. And mm-hmm. what Favreau could do with it, given his uh, his history with that type of character, I think the potential is through the roof. And mm-hmm. I love that rumor, too, that they're going to do the, the visual effects for this show in camera, and that's why that budget uh-huh. might be so high, because... We know that Favreau, of all people, can use that kind of technology to great effect. So if he's applying that to a Mandalorian setting, ooh, I I just, I'm praying that this is true. It's interesting. We don't, yeah, you're right. We don't have a lot, especially in current canon, about the the Mandalorians. We got Sabine Wren and her story, and Mm -hmm. and that was, uh, that that introduced a lot of people, I think, to it. We know John, grown up, Boba Fett, we thought was a Mandalorian, and then George Lucas kind of later on said, nah, Django stole the, uh, he's not really, you know. Um, Heartbreaking, uh, that was. Yeah, Yeah. but yeah, yeah, it was different. But you're right. If you're at a convention and you see 150 Mando Mercs walk by, it's impressive. And it, yeah. it looks cool. It's some of the coolest Star Wars stuff. Boba Fett, well, I, you know, sometimes he isn't my, I don't gravitate him, mm-hmm. to him as much as you, but he looks perhaps the coolest in all of Star Wars, oh, you know? Yeah. So I get it. Uh, and the live, I, I would love if, if, cause she's, we, we know she's still going strong, if Katie Sackhoff could actually be Bo Katan live. Aww. Right. Live action version of Bo Katan, I'd be on board. Yeah. And it's, I'm interested to see what happens. To the Mandalorians after a warrior culture after the fall of the Empire and the beginning of this uh, new republic. If you're a creator and a filmmaker, what you want is a toolbox. And what you want is to be able to go, walk into a situation and create. Yes, you have basis that they have to use. You have to, you know, mythology they have to follow, all that kind of stuff. But we saw in uh, Star Wars Rebels how interesting the Mandalorian culture can be in those episodes that were there, the Civil War that was going on, the Black Lightsaber. All of that stuff was fascinating. And Sabine, the issues with her mom. If we start exploring this culture more, and John Favreau has all this um, uh, space and leeway mm-hmm. to explore it and bring it to life, that excites me. Because then what the fans have been asking for, new Star Wars, but still steeped a bit in the old Star Wars, comes to life even more powerfully here and we can create a bunch of new characters and what Disney loves, new toys and market that stuff and make that money so to me, toys! All, yeah, all of it makes a lot of sense and you're right, Perry, what you said, that the first picture of Mandalorian armor coming soon series, people will lose their freaking minds. I could picture it and yeah, I love it The emoji with the head blowing up <laughs> yeah. the, 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 that is what it would feel like, I think people would go insane hey, look, and I would love it I'm excited, I'm excited for what's coming down the line on this streaming service, I think, you know, if they make the movies later on i want i want the the uh the diary of ray sloan i want yeah. a day-to-day a story based around <laughs> ray sloan reading her own captain uh, will be grand admiral journey of uh, what happened when the new first order went into the unknown regions i'm hoping for it <laughs> give me more ray sloan disney give me more ray sloan all right that is the deal with canon
That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Rody and Comic. John, we got about uh, five, six minutes left here, but we I do. do want to get to the questions. Okay. And you always pull the questions every week, so I think it's uh, only right okay. that you ask us uh, some of the questions. I'll do my best. Let's go. Speaking of Mandalore, let's get into this. Uh, Ryan at RyanSteven84. Hey, guys, if Star Wars series takes place on Mandalore, what do you think about Sabine being on the show? And who should play her? Stay sweaty. Hashtag Collider Jedi Absolutely. Kills. We will always stay sweaty around That's these right. parts. Shout out to well, Snap. Perry, well, John, who's got an answer? Naturally, the first person that came to mind is Tia Sakaar. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. She's, she's in the age range. She's yeah. super talented. Yeah. Why not? And right. she's already the voice, so it would bridge the gap. Like she, first, she's a fantastic actress, so if mm-hmm. you don't know the character, she'll get you hooked from that respect. And right. then also, she is the voice of Sabine, so yeah. everybody who's been following her in Rebels would likely come along as well. But just to throw a different name out there, too, I just saw Black Klansman and mm. Laura Harrier. I think that's what, yeah, Laura Harrier. She was also in uh, in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. She is fantastic in that movie. She's so good. I, I and I believe the age would line up. She might be a little young, but I think she would be uh, she she'd be great in any role. But just to think of someone for Sabine, yeah, why not her? Okay. All right, I like those answers there. Tia uh, Sakar, yeah, she definitely Tia has Sakar, a role. I yep. would love Chloe Bennett is a possibility. I was thinking of that too. Yeah, um, and Constance Wu. I, I love yeah. coming off of Crazy Rich Asians. If you yeah. go into this situation right now, she'd be an interesting choice because, you know, Sabine has an interesting background. Mm-hmm. What, what is she, you know, in terms of look, Asian, Indian, whatever. Obviously, yeah. India is part of Asia, but like where yeah, could yeah, she yeah. go? You I know, know what, what I'm saying? I know what you mean. The design, yeah, yeah. the design of the character. I, I think all those are great choices. I just, I think you might not see Sabine in the series simply because yeah. she's off with Ahsoka looking for Ezra. But you don't know. It doesn't mean there's not a mention. doesn't mean there's not some use of the character. It would right. make sense. Right. That was part of the reason why I was almost hoping Sabine wouldn't be in the series yeah. because I want that to be a series and I have a feeling they won't do two with right. her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. Uh, our next question is from uh, Facebook group Mario Jansen. He asks With James Gunn fired from Guardians of the Galaxy and considering Disney is still the parent company of Lucasfilm, how big of a chance does the council think that Gunn now might be considered as director of a Star Wars movie in the future? Big fat. Zero. Really? You think no possibility at all? Because Uncle Bob Iger is the guy. He right. is the one sitting there going, no, hire Lord Miller. No, do fire Lord Miller. Yeah, Kathleen and, and make sure Kathleen Kennedy makes these decisions. Yeah. She runs Lucasfilm. Right. But I think you cannot take out the Bob Iger factor. What Bob says goes right. Wow. He's. I mean, and I'm not saying he's like some big emperor-like character, you know. Uh, I know a lot of people like Bob, you know, but I mean, I, I think the Roseanne decision, I think, was Bob waking up going, fire. Mm-hmm. The gun decision might have... I, I don't have facts on this. I'm just saying. It's just, <laughs> you look at it and those calls, I still think Lucasfilm's playing catch-up sometimes to what Iger says in those those business calls. So I think if any of the decision of gun came from Iger's office, it would not happen in Star Wars. Yeah. Initially, that was my answer as well. Just a Just a big, fat no. But then I realized that the most uh, recent Hollywood Reporter article about this subject said that it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that Gunn could return to Disney. So with that in mind, I mean, that brings into question a whole lot of what's happened recently, but that to me suggests that they're not done with him and they want to leave that door open. That... uh, um 
assassin hitman <laughs> yeah. coalition movie, the rumor they've been kicking around Boba Fett and all these yeah, people yeah. involved in it. This screams James Gunn to me. It's very reminiscent of Guardians of the Galaxy. And so I would love to see him get a shot. Do I think it'll happen? Uh, what, what, what does uh, Miracle Max say? It would take a miracle. I, I, I think we have to wait a few years, to, maybe a couple years, two or three years, to let this thing die down a little bit. But I think Disney, the reason the THR article, I think, happened is because I don't think Disney anticipated the, the pushback right. from the arts community and from the fans on social media and Dave Batista really calling them out. I think they did not anticipate such of a pushback. And so maybe they're, like, reconsidering their decision. They might not bring him back for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, but as a way to maybe calm the fans, in a couple of years, they hand them a Star Wars film to play around with right. that could be a Star Wars okay. story type of film. I get it. I get it. Yeah, a little, we'll uh, you know, don't you don't want to anger Batista. No. You don't want to anger Batista. <laughs> my, All right. Uh, got time for a couple more uh, questions, John. Let's do two more. Okay. Liam Vincent Prino, he asks, uh, would you be opposed to recasting Wedge and Teeleys in Episode 9? We haven't seen Wedge for 30 years. Would it be any different from Obi-Wan going from Ewan McGregor to Alec Guinness? Sir Alec Guinness. Sir Alec Guinness. Well, hello there. What do you think? Sure, why not? Whoa. I mean, really? Yeah. I, wow. I do. I do want to. I, I want I more was, of that over, character. I was overreacting. <laughs> Dennis Lawson's the only wedge. <laughs> I mean, is anyone is anyone really saying that? What? I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Whoa! I, I think so. I think so. Yes, I think so. Of course, they are. I think I'm not. I'm not stepping on your thought here, though. Okay. Okay. I, I want to hear more of what, yeah, yeah. why you think so. Well, I mean. I think that, in particular, with a role like this, I've always wanted more of that character. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem to be happening. And Mm -hmm. when you think about, you know, not just us sitting at this table, the people watching this show who know Dennis Lawson, Wedge, there's a lot of people out there, I think, that can make that leap from what we've already seen Mm -hmm. to seeing a new actor in that role. And as long as that continues that character's journey... Mm -hmm. That I think you have to be a little flexible with that in yep. this specific case. I, I actually agree. I think it's a little different than than you, McGregor, and Alan, uh, Sir Alec mm-hmm. uh, Guinness, because he was playing the younger version, and it, you know, um, we saw what Alden Ehrenreich had to go through, and I think Chris gives a great performance and might never get full credit for it because it's com- understandably so right. compared to Harrison. But yeah. Dennis, I'm one of the ones who was like, if they felt they needed to recast Leia, I didn't want that. But if they felt for the story, Annette Benning needs to pop in or Meryl Streep needs to pop in, okay, out of respect to the character and the fans of that character, I want to see that story end correctly. So if I feel Leia could even be recast, yeah, I think you could you could recast Wedge. Because Dennis, Dennis Lawson's he's just grumpy like me. He is? He just, I don't want to be part of the Star Wars what? universe anymore. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's Ewan McGregor's uncle, too. Just come on, Ewan. It's a, it's, it's a little think? frustrating. Yeah. Wedge, do the damn, like, the signal went out at the end of Last Jedi. <laughs> I think you can show up, Wedge. I think you can get out of your leather couch wherever you're at. You survived all these wars. You're the minor character that survived all these battles. Yep. You owe it to the Star Wars uh, mythology to come back. And so uh, if they have to recast it, fine. I would love to see Wedge again because a lot of people know what Dennis Lawson looks like now. So you can certainly cast an actor that looks like him and make it work. And if Uh, we're bringing back... You know what? Sorry. No, if we're bringing back old footage of Carrie Fisher, we damn well can recast Wedge. Here's how you can get away with it because from a certain point of view, really officially kind of made this canon. You got, of course, the mix-up in the original and New Hope. You you have technically two Wedges, right? Dennis Lawson becomes Wedge in the X-Wing. There was a mix-up, whatever it was, the urban (laughs) legend of that. But from a certain point of view, uh, names that pilot and calls him like Other Wedge or whatever. I forget. Sure. Um, So you could bring back Wedge, but it's it's like the first Wedge. It's like fake Wedge comes back and you recast. 
cat, and then it's just wet, right? Right. It's a little bit like when The Undertaker I came back to fight The Undertaker. <laughs> Brian Lee portraying The Undertaker. Final question of the day, John. Should we go to a live question yeah, yeah, here? What do you got? Question here from Alan the Ace, A Pains at A Pains seventeen seventy one. Do you think a Force ghost can use a lightsaber, and will Yoda or Anakin use the Force in Episode Nine? Because we saw Yoda. Bop. Yeah, bop, bop, and then put stuff on bop. fire. Just like that. Bop. Yeah. He was basically uh, learning what Vincent Schiavelli was teaching Patrick Swayze in Ghost. You can move things with your mind, <laughs> even if you're a ghost. Can, can this happen? I just have this image of Yoda at a clay machine and Luke behind him. I'll, uh, okay, I'll stop. Um, I think we, we constantly it's learn about new yeah. force powers because... The characters are constantly learning. Yeah. Qui-Gon dies. He's the first to go learn what happens on the other side and, right. and learn to reform himself. Uh, the, the Emperor learns new powers. He, you know, some that a Jedi would consider unnatural. So I think there's a lot of things out there. And if it's done right, I like Yoda with the one finger bringing lightning down to a tree. I thought that was really cool. So, Perry, we could learn new force powers. I think it's possible. I like learning about new force powers. And let's say it was specifically that they could handle a lightsaber. I think what happens to Luke in Last Jedi might be, you know, the stepping stone Mm -hmm. to get there to discovering that ability later on. So, who knows? It sounds reasonable. Yeah, I think it's reasonable as well. And Ryan Johnson backed up everything he did by showing the uh, basis for his usage of the new force power in Last Jedi. So there are people out there who comb all these books to find <laughs> the new powers yeah. that they have that are in canon or bring them into canon. So I think it's certainly possible and it would go a long way, I think, to for a lot of people bringing Anakin back, having him do something in service of it. That would be interesting to me. A, a four, two yeah. force ghosts fighting with a light with lightsabers? But I love it. I love that idea. I love yeah. that in story, these characters are learning more about the Force just as we are. All right. That brings to a close today's show. I really want to thank John Roca. Oh, thank you. For not only being on the show today, for putting together the show every week. You thank work you. hard about, uh, on that and pulling all these questions from Twitter and Facebook. So thank, thank you, and sir. thanks to everybody who sends those Twitter questions and the Facebook questions. Look, they're tough to choose. They're tough yeah. to choose. You ask some incredible questions, and I try to not pick the same people over and over again, so I'm yeah. very aware of that. Thank you, everyone. It's always great to have the Grand Moff Nemiroff here. Perry, you work so hard around here on, on Collider. It's good to have you take a breath and talk Star Wars with us. Yeah, it's, it's always really nice. I feel like very, like, th- the vibe has been so awesome on this show, especially lately. So it's, it's really a pleasure to start my day here today. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have both of you here. I want to thank Cody and Adam in the booth for making us look and sound so pretty. You guys will be back next week. And uh, we don't know when Christian will return to the show. Please send him all your love with the family there. There's a GoFundMe uh, on his Twitter page as well uh, for this uh, tragedy. So, Christian, we really absolutely love you. And for everyone here at Collider to you, we'll see you soon. And for all you out there watching live and later on, we thank you so much. We'll see you next week, Thursday, live, 10 a.m. Pacific time. May the force be with you always.